0: Buck, you're supposed to be the optimistic one. I am? Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, I suppose I have found logic to be rather optimistic. But today I am, to use a human phrase, not feeling it. It feels like we've been in this wormhole for decades. Centuries, even. Gosh, I'm using hyperbole. And there's no sign of an exit. No exit! Captain, now is not the time for sart. The intro, then, I guess? I mean, we might as well.
0: Eh. Welcome, friends at home. I'm Justine Maston, LMFT writer, educator, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard.
1: And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT writer, researcher, Spockian first officer,
0: and I'm really feeling it. Yeah, yeah, here we are. Just a reminder to listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists, unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist.
1: Well, friends at home, you've made such a beautiful journey with us. I mean, if you've been here from the beginning. Such a journey. Such a journey. It's been like a number of years, two books, so many books book chapters that I've lost count at this point. Mm-hmm. And all of that brings us to today, chapter nine from The Grieving Therapist, Caring for Yourself and Your Clients, When It Feels Like the End of the World. Mm-hmm. And chapter nine is on the realm of our industry. Mm. And uh, that's why we started the show the way we did, because we thought it would be a nice sort of in vivo yeah. experience for very all Very experiential. Very experiential. Because that very much was the way we felt when we sat down to write this chapter which was very late in the or later in the writing process mm-hmm. to be totally honest and luckily like this is going to be sort of on topic and considering sort of like what we've done for these episodes i don't feel so inclined today to talk about all that all that much about like the content of chapter nine but more about
0: what it felt like mm-hmm. to try and write chapter nine sure i'm making a face um uh, i mean none of this is fun yeah we don't need to rehash what's in the chapter bottom line being a therapist in many ways sucks and not for the reasons that you think
1: no no it the parts of being a therapist that make it almost unbearable have more to Mm -hmm. do with um like third-party payers
0: yep systems
1: systems that are not designed to work for you or with you or for your clients or with your clients, systems that, um, on a, you know, on a neutral to positive day feel like they're, you know, semi-combative and systems on a neutral to negative day feel like they are like actively trying to get you. (laughs) I don't want to be clear that I'm not saying that like United healthcare is actively out to get me. But I did get a very strange text during my <laughs> yoga class from someone who claimed to be Calvin the day that we're recording this. And he was like, I see that you're paneled with UHC, Dr. Garski. And I was like, do you? Because I'm not a doctor. Um, and he was, like, he was like, I have some more third-party payers that I could panel you with. Now, this does seem like spam. And it also seems like a scam. But I think it speaks to my relationship with third-party payers that... Mm-hmm. It wasn't beyond the realm of possibility that Calvin is somehow connected to United <laughs> Healthcare. And let's be clear, this is not my friend, Calvin. No, this is uh-huh. not Justine's friend, Calvin. This is some random stranger <laughs> <laughs> who thought they could text me during my yoga class. And I was like, sir, not today.
0: Not today. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it truly is the system's. That, are, that make this work so painful. And I don't even work with insurance. I was talking to some supervisees yesterday and they had a question about super bills. And friends at home, if you don't know what a super bill is, don't even fucking worry about it.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> it's a more detailed version of a receipt. Oh, that was so succinct. You can imagine the number of times I've had to explain super bills over the years. <laughs>
0: It's a really detailed receipt. (laughs) Yeah, and my supervisee also does not accept insurance. But their client wanted to try and get reimbursed from their insurance with a super bill. But because my supervisee doesn't work with insurance, they were using a code that insurance doesn't like. And I was just like, we're artists. Okay, young thought we'd be shaman. Wow. <laughs> this is
1: not how this is supposed to be. And what's interesting is that, like, for me, four to five years ago, I would have been like, no, 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 there's a very important technical side of our work, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I still think logic is important. I still see think that like some structure in terms of like paperwork sure. and documentation is important. Fine. But like, <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing?
0: <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, it's it has become so absurd. And I, uh-huh. I mean, in addition to writing this chapter, this is just something that I have been thinking an awful lot about recently. That's true. You have. And how much this bothers me, because I agree, we need to have some legality, we need to have some ethics codes, there needs to be some kind of container so that people aren't actively harming each other. Right, right. Training is important. Yes. You can't just go on vibes. No, no, you can't just
1: go on vibes. You can't just be like a (laughs) peer-to-peer counselor.
0: Unless that is what you say you are. And everyone is consenting to that. That's right. And even then, God help you. Yeah. But with what we have created and what has been created that our industry has just sort of like thrown up their hands and been like, I guess we're doing this now. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Right? It's like, well, insurance is too big. We have to do what they want. More and more of us are opting out of that. That's true. Yes. And also, you know, when we opt out of that, we recognize that that puts mm-hmm. some undue stress on certain populations. Yeah. And it's like, there's no fucking winning here. There's no winning. There's absolutely no
1: winning. And this is reminding me of one of the things. <laughs> what is it the psychoanalysts call it? Feelingscapes or something? <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know, but I like that. (laughs) Emotion textures. I don't know. Um, But like one of the feeling based memories. So really just memories that I'm having about Mm -hmm. what like what came up for me during the drafting Mm -hmm. phase of this book. Yes. Is how I was at a place because I'm both a clinician and a supervisor. And a leader of an entire clinical staff.
0: You are. You are a leader of men and women and non-binary people. And non-binary
1: people. And, you know, on a good day, two cats and a dog. (laughs) And I was at a place, second year of the pandemic, where I I really was starting to feel like, not only can I not ever win,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Because I, I felt like I was just failing everyone. Yeah, I felt and I want to be clear this. I'm talking about like my emotional experience at that time. Mm-hmm. But my emotional experience at that time at that time was that like not a staff member was getting what they wanted or needed. Mm-hmm. And, and many most thing most of the things that people were upset about were like beyond, utterly beyond my control. Sure. But were on a regular basis being brought to me as if there was something I could do.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: my caretaker parts just couldn't handle it anymore.
0: Sure. Stop bringing
1: this to me. Stop. I can't. Wait. Exactly. I can't. And I get why folks are bringing it to me. And of course, like one of the things we sign up for as clinicians is like clients will do that. They like that's almost yes. all of therapy is they bring you things that they're like, can you do something with this? And the
0: answer is a compassionate, patient. No, I will sit with you, friend. Yes. Well, together. We discover if there is a way to heal this grandfather clock.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I think you, I mean, you said it quite
1: beautifully several moments ago that the most challenging part of this profession isn't the actual clinical work.
0: Mm-mm. no.
1: I mean, I felt very prepared to do that, even within the context. Well, did I feel like that within the context of the pandemic? The pandemic really gave me a run for Mm. my clinical money. So the answer is no. (laughs) That was a lot. But, like, I was was sort of making it through with the grandfather Mm -hmm. clock and the pandemic um, in my clinical work. But, oh, my gosh, when it came to staff, Mm -hmm. second year in, I was – I remember numerous sessions with my own personal therapists where a therapist where well, I would just sob uh-huh. and be like, I can't do this. Yep. I I cannot. I cannot. If one more person brings me one more thing that I, ca- I don't have control over and I cannot change and they demand that I change it and fix it and make it better somehow, I think I will combust. And wouldn't you know it, five minutes after <laughs> those personal <laughs> therapy sessions,
0: I, my experience was like that would happen. You'd hear the tiny padding of footsteps outside your door and you'd be like, knock, knock, knock. Hello, I have a clock. Are you the
1: clocksmith? I was like, oh, my God. And then, especially for those first, for, I mean, for the first year, but then really well into the second year mm-hmm. as well, my
0: husband and I were just living inside. We saw no one. I know, you did. You saw no one. And even I i am a big gift giver, friends mm-hmm. at home, in case yes. you haven't picked that up. Yes. And I would send things and you'd be like, it's in the hot zone. <laughs> I can't touch it for 48 hours. <gasps> yes, I
1: had my outside clothes and my indoor clothes. <laughs> You know, because, like, the first year, um, we didn't know anything. We didn't know anything. And I have severe asthma. My husband has cystic fibrosis. Doctors were like, you get this, you die. Right. Like, it's not a maybe. It's not a maybe. You'll be down. And what a bummer that will be. (laughs) And I was like, so second year into the pandemic, then, like, I mean, and I totally get this. My partner was, at the end of the day, would, like, be like, I want to chat. I'm having a feeling. I I read the news.
0: Oh, God. Can I why talk did you do to you that? about the
1: news? No. <laughs> I was like, no.
0: Oh, my God, no. Oh, my
1: God, no. And then, understandably, he'd be like, but I want to, like, this is hard. I don't have anyone else who's here. You're the only one who's here. I need to, I need to. like, can't we process things together? And I look back on <laughs> it now, and I'm like, it's amazing I
0: survived. <laughs> Oh, my God. This this is resonating so much with me. Um, because my, my partner typically travels during the week. Like, yes. that's mm-hmm. a big part of his work. And for the first year, pretty much of the pandemic, he was not traveling. And he was working from home. So not only was he in town, he was in the house. <laughs> and... I am not used to that level of togetherness. Right. And I want to be clear, I love my partner. We've been together over 20 years. This is not about him or liking him or loving him. This is about the amount of space. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I require. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And like, you know, not for nothing, but I remember like when he went back out out on the road that that was then sad because you'd become used mm-hmm. to him being around, and then started to appreciate his presence and, you know, had learned to work around the really, I don't know, intense timbre.
0: The man's voice is... Resonant. Very resonant. Yes. hmm mm-hmm. I would be holding someone's trauma, and from the other room, I would hear, cranes, we need more cranes! He's in construction. <gasps> And I'm just like I'm sorry human who is decompensating but my husband needs cranes.
1: Right. I'm so sorry. Cranes. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> mhm. Uh,
0: <laughs> right, but we would go for a walk at least one a day typically like mm-hmm. several. Right. And he would he would bring up shit yeah. from the news. Yeah. I had never really Felt like I needed to have this kind of conversation with him. But I was like, let's talk about conversational consent for a minute.
1: Oh, poor Eli. I imagine he was not anticipating that.
0: No. He he was like, huh? I'm like, did I consent Mm. to hearing what you just told me? Right. And he was like, no, we're just talking. And I'm like, I am going to share with you that I have just had... X number of hours Mm -hmm. of just people unloading all the trauma on me, Mm -hmm. which I did consent to. I did. They are my clients. I did.
1: Mm -hmm. I chose this. I trained for this. I I chose this. I I spent so much money on degrees.
0: I'm very good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm also hang on by a
1: fucking thread. Yeah. So please don't (laughs) talk to me about Donald Trump and his milkshake.
0: No. Oh, my God. I don't want to talk about Trump. I don't want to talk about how many people died today.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We had to. We had to have a talk about like space and time and links. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Because depending on like whether or not I my like do not disturb had turned off had like turned. I had it like set somehow. But like, you know. At that point, I was seeing clients all the time right. and it was not uncommon for me to have like an eight a, an eight a m session and so, like I'm sitting there trying to emote hope
0: <laughs> in your old apartment in my old <laughs> apartment
1: it <laughs> had one room it had one room and two sort of alcoves um, <laughs> with doors and and i and then, like across the screen would like flash this little like newspaper clip text
0: <laughs> about death
1: toll rising about morgues. and like and like and how they were just like digging mass graves in new york city and how the vaccine felt so out of sight and like
0: <laughs> yep, oh. the javits the javits is currently a big morgue that's right uh-huh yep uh-huh, uh-huh. and currently at that time friends it is right. now in this time to being the Javits uh, at the time of this recording I mean
1: who I don't know what's happening when I you're don't listening. Know. you know yeah. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why we didn't just title the first chapter of our book like COVID because we were like well there will be more plagues there will be more plagues we just keep encroaching oh. on wild land
0: <laughs> here it is the sea levels are rising yes. so the the gist of this chapter mm. if you hadn't already picked up on it is we talk about what it's like to be a therapist yeah. or any type of healer but specifically therapy because that's the work we do mm-hmm. when the world is ending or at least it feels that way i would go on to say that like i don't that feeling
1: has not gone away no it has not i think you and i are more skilled and now experienced in in coping with it and being with it mhm it doesn't feel normal
0: no. no. I mean this isn't the type of th- like I do similar styles of therapy mm-hmm. as I have done them since I became a therapist. Yeah. But this work is very different. It is much more existential. It yeah. is much more eco-focused, climate focused, meaning mm-hmm. making. Has always meaning making's always been important to my work, but it's like That's the thing now. It's the thing. It's the thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I will also say that at the time of this recording, it is, it's that challenging spot between Thanksgiving and Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. I would say, I would like zoom out and say that like, not just in the mental health field, but in I would Mm -hmm. probably say like most medical and like human service, like Mm -hmm. teaching, caregiving of any kind's. This is the time of year where things t- start to really ratchet up in terms of intensity. Mm-hmm. And so by the time it was like 1 p.m. today, I'd already sat in on two different crisis calls.
0: Okay, sure.
1: And w- I was like, oh, oh, what's this feeling? <laughs> a word for this? What is it? I was like, oh, I remember this feeling like this is how it felt for two years. That's yeah. And I feel very fortunate to have been able to like make choices in my personal and professional life where like, that's not my constant anymore. Mm -hmm. But feeling that feeling again the ghost of pandemics past this week it's really been unpleasant
0: (laughs) it's it feels really bad
1: I don't I mean I do I do and it's why I feel the things that I feel now and why I've made the choices I've made but like I worked in such intense like crisis I did a lot of like intense crisis work early in my career and I look back on that and I'm like wow I did do that. I did.
0: Yeah. Um, You shouldn't have been doing that. And I mean that from a systemic perspective. Like, why do we give the hardest work to the newest clinicians? Because the olds are like, we're tired. Yeah. It's like, uh, no, that's a young man's game. I know. Let's get some young men and women and non-binary people. Right.
1: (sighs) And like I don't know that I have a super great solution to that. Like, I remember when I was when I was brand new doing it, I was like, oh my God, yeah, no, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> that seems wrong. That seems wrong. Um, but now being the seasoned person that I am, I'm like, oh my god, I could not. <laughs> No, no, and so i- i don't I don't have some kind of like grand resolution um it i mean it would require massive systemic and infrastructure changes, right It would mean that like if new clinicians are doing the work, then they need to have like intense support it's like if you're doing in home mm-hmm. therapy, you should have a driver
0: and only work a set low number of hours yeah. be paid a living wage for those low number mm-hmm. of hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And be able to like, because I remember I was like hour paid hourly, but you have to do so much other stuff that is technically unpaid because Medicare mm-hmm. and Medicaid and private insurers don't reimburse for it. Um, and like, there needs to be a way that you can get reimbursed for like all the other extra stuff that you have to do. Right. Like not to mention being in your car for like two hours a day. Oh God. I still like shudder every time I see a Biff's. Which, for folks who don't know, is like one of those plastic porta potties because, like, that was uh-huh. my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to stop at the gas station, or you're going to stop at a porta potty on the side of the road. That's right. That's right. It's a cold, cold day in Minnesota,
1: December. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're both cold. <laughs> and if anyone's like, why don't you use your clients' bathrooms? No. 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 Oh, wow.
0: No. no. That's a whole nother conversation. That's a
1: Whole nother conversation, friends.
0: <laughs> oh, I, when I was doing interventions, when I was yeah. still in my drug counseling life, mm-hmm. I, I used uh, clients' bathrooms because, like, it, interventions could be hours. But yeah, down. they
1: can. They're so intense.
0: I was in affluent homes. Mm-hmm. And, it was v- still very uncomfortable so if the thought you're having is this is about socioeconomic status it is not it is not it is about the very unique relationship yes
1: and what it what it means to like be helping in th- the space the home that belongs to your client where they reside mm-hmm. yes and you just want more space
0: yep yep you, know? you don't you know, you don't want to share that with
1: them. It's why, you know, one of the things that would make everyone live, everyone's lives better is if we reinvested in public restrooms. I oh know it's God. hard to upkeep them. I know it's a whole cleaning <laughs> thing, but like, wow, it would make so many people's lives better. And not just people doing in-home family therapy, like the unhoused, unhoused, <laughs> the children, <laughs> humans who are pregnant, Mm-hmm. Like, when I was in the middle of, when I was, like, driving through the suburbs, and, like, you can't go into coffee shops anymore and just, like, use the bathroom. They get really mad at no. you. You have to buy something. And I'm, like, ma- I, mean, I when I was doing in-home family therapy, I was making below minimum wage. <laughs> I could not <laughs> afford coffee. No. My God. And so I was, like, what am I going to do? I Do I... <laughs> Do I wait and try to find a bit? (laughs) (laughs) Or can I, like, scrape together enough money to buy a
0: small coffee? (laughs) Uh, Friends at home, I would like you to imagine for a moment that Larissa had gone to graduate school, something that costs tens of thousands of dollars to even
1: do. Right. Absolutely. You have to be of a certain kind of socioeconomic status to even consider going to grad school. Right because you're going to have to pay that shit back. That's right. Still am.
0: See? <laughs> right? But like you're you've already dropped tens of thousands of dollars on loans mm-hmm. which you will soon have to pay back. Yeah. They'd already in started in that time. Oh my god. So you're already starting to pay back your loans. You're making less than minimum wage. Uh-huh. You are literally going into the homes of your clients where it's completely unpredictable. Yes. Like you don't know if these people have guns. You don't no. like. You get yeah, in ask.
1: training. When I did training for in-home family therapy, one of uh-huh. the days was about what to do when there are weapons.
0: <laughs> right. Not if. When.
1: When. When weapons become present. When weapons, drugs, or alcohol are <laughs> out and are present, what do you do? And I will uh-huh. never forget because <laughs> you have to. You have, like the organization I worked for at the time um they you got this like tiny little sad intel inside a laptop oh yeah uh-huh. that worked not at all with a hotspot that also worked not at all because you were supposed to within 60 minutes meet with the child do the behavior <laughs> skills therapy and take your notes <laughs> and so the person said they were like you know obviously you're charged with the care and protection of this laptop
0: you were going to say child but no, no. it was the
1: laptop and they're like you zagged and and if you are in a situation where you feel you fear for your life and are in immediate danger we're not saying that you should go back for the laptop <laughs> but we're not not saying that and they were like you can see that this laptop comes with the laptop bag with a strap <laughs> So it's a great idea when you're not typing on your notes to have the bag strapped to your body (laughs) at all times
0: in case you need to run run
1: for your life. (laughs) Otherwise, you will have to pay us back for the missing laptop. And it's a HIPAA violation.
0: Oh, my God. Like, friends at home, I want you to be aware that, like, how much we're laughing it's not because any of this is funny. That's true. That's it's true. because it is so absurd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, Larissa was doing this about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but it is the same today. Yeah. <laughs> My, I went
1: through a number of different supervisors because supervisors hmm. don't want to stay at an organization um, no. like the one I was working at. And so when I went to him and I told him, you know, I'm, I'm getting another job. He was like, mm-hmm. that's so great. That's so great. You'll have time off. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'll do with that time. And he was like, it doesn't matter. Maybe you can get really into rearranging your sock drawer. Like, yeah. I was like, do that's you do right. that? And he was like, listen, I'm just saying, Larissa, you need downtime.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. I know. Whew. Um, well, our, we could continue for hours. I know. Discussing. The, the issues in our industry. We sure could. And our, and our feelings about those. But you have clients. I know. And this is
1: a tough one to end because, I don't know, the state of our industry is pretty rough. Sometimes it feels utterly bleak. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels pitch black dark. Yep. Well, friends at home, chapter 10, we talk about utopia. So there is some light that we're going to end with. <laughs> I will say it's tough. I'm in far more of like a, you know, I like to think of like holding like hope and despair one in each hand. Mm-hmm. Today is far more of a despair day for me. I'm feeling a bit better. Um, I mm-hmm. always feel better chatting with you, Justine. So I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. And so maybe that's where I'll end, which is if you're going to, if you're not just going to survive, but you're going to find a way eventually to thrive in this field. And it took me, mm-hmm. oh God, probably six or seven years to actually do that. And I've been the, mm-hmm. I've been practicing for almost 11 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, find trusted, reliable community that will walk with you. Mm -hmm. And that can be really hard to find too. Also, because of the nature of our industry, like I think it, it, it can bring out a side to folks that is hard to sit with. Like I think about like colleagues, some of the colleagues that I've had over the years that Mm -hmm. I thought that I could really trust or was starting to trust and
0: mm-hmm. it just
1: went in a different direction you know and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yet that is the thing that really for me has made all the difference in the world is being able to have a friend and partner in you Justine who also mm-hmm. works in this field who like really gets it and understands because it's not just the whole like being mindful of disclosing client details it's more the emotional nuances and weight and burdens of this work it's very very hard to explain to someone who's not in the field
0: it is and it's like other other types of healers can get it on some level yeah like you know totally certainly i've had conversations with healthcare workers where i'm like they get parts of this Mm -hmm. and i get parts of their stuff yeah but there is something really unique to the work that we do mm-hmm. and also like it can be hard to build community especially yeah. if you know you're worried about sharing a lot about yourself with a community that might be small like right. maybe you're in a town mm-hmm. or a population that's tiny right and it's like okay well uh, i don't want everybody in the marriage and family therapy world to know my business. That's not my feeling. I tell everyone. (laughs) Yes,
1: you more swing on the opposite end of things for me, where you're like, you're out there, and here's who you are, and if somebody doesn't like it, I mean, that does make you sad. (laughs) But you're like, you're lost, bucko. You're missing out on all of this.
0: (laughs) You're missing all of (laughs) this. Yeah, like, there are people who don't like me. That's fine. Did it hurt? Of course it did. Yeah. But... Now, here we are. And (laughs) I love that. And what gives me hope, Mm -hmm. you know, to end on a slightly more uptick um, in our industry is I find hope in the small bits of change that I do see Mm -hmm. with, you know, supervisors who are being real. Yeah, like that's the true. story you just told of your supervisor, who's just like, good, get out. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. He was not a tabula rasa. He was like, get out. He was like, you've done your time. He's like, nobody stays in these roles, Larissa.
0: And that's beautiful. Like mm-hmm. that's the stuff that gives me hope is people yeah. being real. That's totally true. And inviting other folks to be real, you know, like mm-hmm. some of my therapy pals who teach. Yeah. yeah. Who are like, here's what it's actually going to be like. Yes, this doesn't feel awesome, and yes, it's not the fanfic you have made about therapy, but me feeding into your fanfic is not no. kind. No,
1: it's not kind.
0: Right? And yeah. like, here are the ways that we can push back, and here are the ways that we can bring up some change. Totally. Like, I am intensely inviting students and supervisees and other therapists to be themselves, to be authentic, mm-hmm. and that... Not only is that okay, we need to do more of that. Yeah. We need to verbalize to normalize or we will just become Autobots.
1: Yeah, and who wants that? Nobody. That's not fun.
0: No, like we're we're people, we're healers, part of our healing power comes from our life experience and our personality. Yes. Here here. Thank you. I will step down off my soapbox now. (laughs) You did great. Thank you. I do love that soapbox. All right. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. Thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Kyle Rebar. And finally, thank you to executive producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You do know how to find a good news clip. Just be aware of when you're sharing it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, and you can rate, subscribe, and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends to check out our back catalog since we're just about out of here. And just a reminder to pick up both of our books, Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fanfiction to Rewrite Your Life, and The Grieving Therapist, Caring for Yourself and Your Clients When It Feels Like the End of the World, at any of your favorite booksellers. And as always, friends, live long and prosper.